Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Yassas, greetings from the Elite City Resort Hotel in Kalamata, Greece, where the, uh, the sun is now up, and uh, I'm just looking out my window here, looking out at the calm waters of the Messinian Bay. Looks like it's going to be another good one. After the show wraps, I am going to go and collect my uh, twin boys. They're uh, spending the morning over at uh, Theo Yanni's and Thea Evagelias, uh, uh, the mighty Aphrodite's uh, aunt and uncle. And uh, they're in a, a location in Kalamata uh, where they've got about, I would say, a parcel of land, maybe an acre. It's essentially an orange grove. The property is covered in uh, um, uh, orange uh, trees, lemon trees. Uh, they've got chickens and turkeys running around. And it's the exact kind of of um, experience I wanted to have my, my, my boys uh, to, to have. Uh, they, they go over there and they help collect the eggs in the morning. And, uh, uh, I mean, you, can, you just you sit under a tree with your feet and you reach up and you pull down a mandarin and that's your breakfast or an orange and peel it and that's your breakfast i mean it's just great and then uh you want a fresh egg well it's uh it's just a few uh, feet away uh it's just a glorious uh, glorious country the weather has been terrific uh the um, the other day we uh we took my cousin or my nephew nick my ne- my cousin or my nephew nick rather is uh, is traveling with us 16 years old and uh, a great uh, company. He's a real, what they call a Phil Helen. He's half Greek. Uh, mother's English, father's Greek. But he's really taken to the Greek culture, and he just studies it endlessly. He's learning to speak Greek on his own. So he's been invaluable in terms of uh, translating uh, for me with uh, the locals. And uh, he just he's totally thrown himself into uh, the culture and the history. So he's attending a wedding or he did attend a wedding, we took him to uh, a, um, a city or a, a village called uh, Yitio, which is in a part of southern Greece called Laconia. And uh, on the way, traveling through the mountains, he was giving us this history lesson. And the boys in the back were very excited because they're totally uh, captivated by anything Spartan, the Spartan soldiers and the helmets and so forth. And Nick says, well, did you know that Ithio is where the Spartans, the ancient Spartans, kept their fleet? That's where they kept their ships, in uh, this, this place called Ithio. So uh, we're driving along, and he starts to tell me about the Spartan creed or the, one of their, their, uh, their sayings which is, and this is something that the Spartan mothers told their sons as they headed off into battle, and it was this, a rather cryptic message. With it or on it. With it or on it. And I said, well, what does that mean? And he said, the mothers told their sons who were heading off into battle, when you, if you come back, you come back with it, meaning your shield. You come back with your shield which I guess was sort of a metaphor, a way of saying you come back victorious or you come back on it. In other words, you come back on your shield, carried on your shield. This is how the Spartan soldiers would return the dead back to Sparty. They would use the shield uh, as a litter to carry the dead bodies. That's a pretty stark uh, 
dark thing to say to your child. You come back victorious or you come back dead. But this was the Spartan uh, creed. And, of course, their other big, uh, a big uh, saying was, you know, liberty or death, freedom or death, which, of course, has been adopted as the state motto in places like New Hampshire. You can see it on their, their license plates. Uh, but um, uh, Greece, of course, the home of uh, democracy and uh, uh, philosophy and so many other things, but, but uh, liberty and freedom uh, paramount uh, to the, uh, the ancient Spartans. So, great to be uh, broadcasting live from the, uh, the great city of Kalamata. Uh, we just recently, of course, passed the 43rd anniversary of the Apollo 11 lunar landing. And, of course, there are uh, still many, many uh, people out there who insist that we never got to the moon, that the entire Apollo program was window dressing, a, uh, a hoax perpetrated by the national, um, or, uh, perpetrated by NASA. And one such is a good friend uh, to the program, no stranger to the program, Nelson Thal. He's an authority on a number of uh, things, uh, in particular the JFK assassination. He's been on this program many times to talk about uh, JFK. He's um, uh, a media scientist, as I say. He's also accompanied by Jane Steele, who's a playwright, researcher, writer, James Joyce scholar. She has produced and co-hosted the popular internet radio show Shock Talk with Bloom and Steele since 2008. And it's a great pleasure to welcome in studio, back in Toronto, Nelson Thal and Jane Steele. How are you? We're just great. It's great being here. Tikanis Richard from Toronto to you in Kalamata, Greece. Ah, Tikanis, yes. <laughs> uh, so, let's, you know, we've, we've, we've talked about this in the past many times, and, and Nelson, I know you've done probably 20 shows on uh, the, the lunar landing hopes. In fact, I believe it was last year. You and I spoke with um, Morgan Reynolds talking about the, uh, the lunar landing, landing hoax. So we've talked about the evidence in the past, but I want to touch on some of those points again before we move into some of the other details. Yeah, well, it's midnight and the owners of the system are asleep, so we feel comfortable we now can come out and play and explore. And, yeah, as you say, Richard, uh, Dr. Morgan Reynolds last year shared more state secrets that they hope you don't learn with us about it, and we let's review it. But uh, certainly it shows, as Reynolds pointed out, that uh, people are very much out of touch with reality. And I feel we're very much in the same boat as um, the Flat Earth Society uh, opponents, uh, trying to explain to the Flat Earth Society believers, which was most of the world, that the Earth isn't flat. Well, let's start with the evidence that we didn't get to the moon, we couldn't have gotten to the moon. And, and one of the, the first things that often comes up in these uh, discussions are the Van Allen belts, or, the, or the, it is the Van Allen belt. And this was uh, this uh, radiation, the idea that this radiation out there that's, I guess, emitted by the Van Allen belt is so intense that it would cause serious injury not only to the equipment, computers and so forth, uh, but to, uh, to astronauts. Let's talk about the Van Allen belts, uh, Nelson. 
Yeah, Dr. Reynolds pointed out that there's two different belts, and uh, he was talking just technically and theoretically, but he knew that at the time that there's more than two bo- uh, belts. Isn't that, that right, Mrs. Steele? And basically, these astronauts would be suffering severe radiation burns. Uh, they'd be vomiting. They'd be bleeding out all parts of their body, all orifices of their body, and the, the computer boards themselves would be completely liquid dated, as well as the film in the cameras that they supposedly showed us. Right, Mrs. Steele? Well, they also discovered a third belt um, in September of 2012, which became an ephemeral belt. It actually disappeared um, with a powerful uh, shock from the Earth. So you have about 1,000 to 60,000 kilometers above the Earth, you have this source of radiation so I don't think anyone could get through that. Not only that, you've got cosmic radiation and you've got solar flares. There's so many other things out there in the... Basically, Richard, in a nutshell, the experts have pointed out that the radiation is makes it so that space travel to the moon or anywhere else is not possible without the ability to put six to eight feet of lead around them. And all they had was like three-quarter inches of aluminum, as Reynolds pointed out. In other words, to shield themselves from this radiation, they'd need... They'd need several feet of, of lead. An amount you know, of a, a weight that their rockets cannot lift off the Earth at this time. It's, it's, it's interesting, though, that if, if that were the case, and I, 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 don't, you know, I don't necessarily discount that, but wouldn't we have scientists and astrophysicists basically around the world pointing this out? Well, that leads to the whole subject of, I mean, uh, the, these are, NASA is a civilian front for a military agency. And as Reynolds pointed out last year, and I suggest people listen to the show, he explained how large bodies of military organizations through laws of secrecy, and if you step out of order, you get, you get knocked off and there's a death list. I mean, it, it's, it's easy to carry this off. And not everybody knows the whole picture as well, he pointed out. Okay. So let's go. Radiation is certainly one of the major factors. You can't. There's no direct path to the moon. Uh, You just cannot get to the moon. All the experts, unbiased scientists, claim. All right. The other thing that jumps out. uh, Yeah. Is when the lunar uh, the the eagle has landed. When the module came down, one would have anticipated that there would have been some sort of a, a crater. Uh, a, a burn print, if you will, under the lunar lander. Uh, and yet, as we watched on television, as that touched down, not only was there no burn print or crater, there wasn't any dust or, or dirt on, on the landing pod feet. It, it was just as if it's, it was gently set down on a stage. Yeah, there's a, and there is a lot of photographic errors they made in trying to fake this thing. They really decided, obviously, as I said before last year, if you can get people to believe in the single bullet theory, you can get them to believe in a lot of other hoaxes and a lot of, a lot of lies, pure lies. Well, there was, sorry, sorry, uh, Ms. Steele, I was just going to ask, is there some, is there some, plausible explanation that maybe I'm not thinking of that might explain why there's no crater or burn print as the lunar lander uh, descends and touches down? Well, NASA was trying to say that uh, the um, lunar surface is very hard, that it's made of of rock, 
but in fact there is a fine dust on the lunar surface. So it should have been displaced and moved around at least and made a crater of some sort. Richard, how do you take photographs on the moon with celluloid film at those temperatures? Hasselblads, they weren't cooled. They're sitting on their chest exposed to the so-called elements on the moon. So there's just so many different things. It's a comedy when you, and people look back on this show that they did, they'll see it for what it is, that it was a pure comedy. It's us looking back on Buster Keaton films today. It's interesting you mentioned the photographs because uh, from 1969 until I believe it was Apollo 16 in 1972, which was the last landing, uh, tens of thousands of photographs were taken. Uh, it was, it w- if you do the math, it's like they had to be taking a photograph every five seconds or something. The celluloid film now. just can't take those temperatures. It melts. All right, we'll uh, take a time out. We'll come back. Nelson Thal, Jane Steele in studio talking about the lunar landing hoax. Back with more live from the Elite City Resort in Kalamata, Greece. You want the truth? You can handle the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Uh, and welcome back. Broadcasting live again from the Elite City Resort Hotel in Kalamata, Greece, just across the road from the Messinian Bay and then behind the resort and really all around is uh, are the, uh, the, um, the Tahito Mountains, part of the Peloponnesian Mountains. And uh, Nelson Thal joins us in studio along with Miss Jane Steele as we discuss the lunar landing hoax. We've just, of course... Uh, commemorated the 43rd anniversary of the uh, Apollo 11 lunar landing, or did we? Did we actually get there? We were talking about the the lack of a a burn print or a crater, as the the LEM, as it was called, uh, touched down on the moon. And uh, the other interesting thing is when it it um, uh, ascended after the mission was completed, uh, one couldn't help. But uh, think it was being pulled up by a string. It was it was kind of a, a herky jerky kind of a um, uh, a liftoff, wasn't it? Well, there was no fire coming out the rocket. They didn't. They they left out some obvious. There were a lot, so many anomalies in in the whole presentation, and that's one. No, the uh, the rate of ascent was nowhere near what real phys- the physics that the astronauts say it should have appeared, and there was no fire coming out the bottom of the engine. Uh, Miss Steele. Well, also the temperatures on the moon are anywhere from 224 degrees Fahrenheit to 253 degrees Fahrenheit. And um, wouldn't that affect the instrument panel on the LEM and also the battery, but also the astronauts themselves? Could their suits take that type of heat? The film in the camera, which was mounted on their chests, and many of the shots were aerial shots or long-distance shots. So does it really, you know, line up? Does it make sense? But you've got the light sources too, which cast very unusual shadows that don't really make any sense because the light source would have been very, very bright on the moon. And from one source. And from one source. But the shadows, is, once again, yeah. it's like the shadow under Oswald's nose, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> they don't line yeah. up. You've got, you've, just to, for, for listeners following along at home, you've got, uh, again, you've only got one light source on the moon, and that would be from the sun, although the, the moon's surface is very reflective. However, keeping that in mind, you've got these shadows of astronauts, the flag, rocks, and other objects seem to be 
falling in different directions, up to 90 degrees apart, which is impossible without secondary lighting, or so we're told. Yeah, and Richard, I think it's important, uh, at the beginning of this segment, you had played John F. Kennedy. I think it's important, we remember, we stand on the shoulders of giants like Kennedy and his secret society speech, and Marshall McLuhan, who pointed out that the arts and sciences are in the pockets of these secret societies. So he's pointing out when the arts are in and sciences are in the pockets of secret societies, they can now make the world turn in whatever temple they choose, and they control your reality. All right. I just want to touch on one more, and then I want to move on to you know the motivation. Why such a hoax would be perpetrated? Why the staging of a lunar landing? The, the other off-sighted uh, piece of evidence is the U.S. flag. And it appears in a, uh, an environment of where there is no atmosphere, uh, no wind, no breeze, no air. It, it appears to be waving this right. flag as if it's in a breeze, or, or at least it's, it's, it's standing. One would expect it would be just sort of drooping rather than standing out, outright. How, how do we explain the, uh, the U.S. flag? Well, that's not difficult to explain. That's air in their, their studios. They've got a sound studio. Sound studio has breezes run through it as the temperatures change in the studios. They aren't able to explain why it's waving. They make up some phony baloney Well, NASA excuse. said that it was in a tube and it was all rolled up and, yeah. and it came out sort of bent like that. I mean, that was their remember, reason behind it. But remember last year what Reynolds not. said NASA stood for? Never a straight answer. That's right. <laughs> But little details like that, not little details, those are pretty glaring, obvious things. You would think... They'd pick it up. They would pick it up and they would, if they're going to try and... They were rushing. ...and, and hatch this, this hoax, they would they would pay attention to those things. Yeah, but obviously they don't. You know, they don't pay total attention and they and they, they don't, they have enough to, to make the people believe. The minute CBS News gets on there with Walter Cronkite... Uh, then it's an authoritative voice and the people believe what's told to them. And the big lie is, it's, this is the proof of Goebbels' statement that the bigger the lie, the bigger they'll believe it. And, uh, you can make them believe you, you've gone to the moon when it's literally impossible. Okay, I've got one more thing I want to ask you. Uh, I, I hear from amateur astronomers who tell me whenever I throw the lunar landing hoax at them, they say, listen, it's, you know, they left equipment up there. They left the the uh, the the, the, um, the lunar uh, rover, the um, you know that dune buggy that we're riding around on up there. And the base uh, of every lunar excursion module is there. Yeah. So, and if you could, and they say, you know, with a with a really powerful telescope, you can see that. You can see evidence that we landed on the moon. How do you respond to that? Well, Dr. Reynolds last year said that the only way you could see it is with the with the Hubble spacecraft, and uh, the question is remains: Why has it taken so long to get us a picture? This is a society. America's a society that's totally vain of itself and loves to show itself. And how come they haven't shown us a picture yet? It's been forty years; they still can't get a picture up. And now, if they do it, it's so forensically photoshopped that who's going to? You're not going to know it anyway. All right, let's, uh, uh, unless, um, Ms. Steele, you want to uh, comment further on that, I want to get on to the uh, sort of the motivation. Did you want to talk about well, the, the fact that we're supposedly able to see the, um, you know, the, the rover and other... Um, the only other landing? possibility is that perhaps the Hubble telescope cannot see it, but I think we should be able to see those objects. I mean, 
it could magnify that. I think we should be able to see them. Yeah, if they were there, the Hubble could show them. If they were there, the Hubble would show it. But, Richard, it's also important to note that we agreed with Dr. Reynolds that we man has been able to put unmanned Mm -hmm. spacecraft on the moon because they can be small enough to get through the Van Allen belt. They have very, very simple and shielded electronics. You can shield a small computer that can do this job with enough lead to protect it, but we're not talking, but we, and we, and Dr. Reynolds pointed out and he agreed that we thought that they had send, sent unmanned robots to the moon. We're not saying they haven't landed unmanned robots, but no man has set forward on the moon is what we're saying. Okay. It's so what they, they, not they, us, they, it's the experts. Richard, we're researchers, we're fellow explorers. We go and we go to the experts in the field and the whistleblowers. Reynolds was, was, followed the money. He was the top, he was in the Bush administration. He was the top, uh, Professor Emeritus from Texas A&M University. We go to the experts. We don't use our own opinions. So in other words, they just, they, they launched some space junk for back of, lack of a better term landed that on the moon so that we could point to that and say, there's the evidence. Exactly. They can always say that. Okay. Well, then the big question is, you know, why go to all this trouble? Why exactly. why fake a lunar landing? What, what, what was the motivation? Well, that's the key. And what we've talked about this is once before, and that is uh, uh, the... Um, the real threat to von Braun and his group were the, was Russia, and the Russians had uh, moved ahead and taken control, was taking control of space, and and were starting to occupy the high frontier above their country. And it was important that von Braun and his gang start to do the same. And the only way to take control is not to go to the moon, but to fake the moon landing and follow the money as Dr. Reynolds did as the chief economics, economic uh, expert in the U.S. government, follow the money and see that the money went to put together a space warfare system, a space-based warfare weapon that we're aware of and what they've used. And Hollywood has shown, uh, by the way, Hollywood has shown many times uh, uh, Live and Let Die, James Bond, showed the moon hoax, Capricorn One. Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah, Diamonds Are Forever in 71, uh, exposed that it... The The Shining, 1980. Shining. So, like... Let me just jump in here for a second because I'm not familiar with the... uh, It's been a while since I've seen the James Bond film Diamonds Are Forever, and uh, I, I, I do remember The Shining. What are the hints in those movies that the lunar landing was well, a hoax? There's no, there's no hints in Diamonds Are Forever. James Bond actually goes on the, the, the set of the, of the sound stage with the lunar module and appears uh, behind the front, the, the, the backdrops. Well, he actually drives the moon buggy off a model set, yeah. which looks suspiciously like the moon landing set itself. Yeah, Diamonds Are Forever was in Fleming's movie showed that, and Capricorn One showed it. So it's not like Hollywood hasn't been showing that the moon hoax was a hoax. Well, the moon, the moon landing was a well, hoax. Well, Capricorn One was a Mars hoax, right? Very yeah. similar, the same idea. Yeah. And, and um, uh, Miss Steele, you mentioned uh, The Shining. Uh, take me back to that movie. Uh, it's been a while, but uh, where are the references to the lunar landing there? Okay. In the movie, you have Jack's son and his Jack name is Nicholas Danny. Son. Yes. And um, on the front of his uh, sweater, 
there is a depiction of Apollo 11, and it says, Apollo 11 USA. And um, on the sweater, it says the words are Apollo (laughs) 11. Richard, the whole movie is laden with so much of the of the the hotel represents America. The uh, the the the, uh, the twins represent the Gemini spacecraft. Uh, there's spaceships all through it. He has Apollo 11 all through it. It's it's uh, heavily laden with Kubrick's attempt to show that he was involved in the fake. I definitely want to come back to Stanley Kubrick yeah. uh, in a moment, but let's get back to again the motivation for faking this. So if I'm hearing you correctly. They were trying to build this space-based uh, weapon. You know, here we are at the, at the height of the Cold War. Harp, uh, etc. And, and in order to hide that fact, of, you know, they're, they're obviously siphoning off millions, perhaps billions of dollars in order to, to funnel that into this space weapon program. They have to show the American public where that money's going. They don't want to tell them about the weapons uh, program. So they create this space program, this phony uh, you know, mission to the moon. Is that the idea? Well, the Russians were not interested in the moon because they knew they couldn't get there and nowhere could we, and they spent their time building a weapon system and a shield over Moscow, and von Braun and his gang uh, had to do the same, and um, there was no way to uh, uh, to get money from Congress by putting forward a, a weapon making it a, a military operation, so they had to hide it. The real money went towards building this system and just make the Americans believe that it's a civilian program and that it, it's, it's go, we're gone to the moon for, for, for peaceful purposes. No, they, it was just, that was just the, the, the cover story. But there was a lot of money um, taken from the American people. It was $9.9 billion a year from 1958. Yeah. So we're talking about... Trillions of dollars eventually you know, it became, which was which was used... I mean, to go to the moon probably cost them 50 to $100 million. Well, the Operation uh, Paperclip Conspiracy was revealed in the 1980s, yeah. right? And that was uh, the Nazi rocket scientists were brought into the USA, you know, in the American rocketry program. And so... With all that money, they certainly had to come up with a cover story, a black ops cover story, and that was creating the, the weaponry that the Russians were already creating. So, And even, you know, Werner von Braun in his book called Conquest to the Moon stated that each rocket ship, if they actually went to the moon, would be taller than New York's Empire State Building, almost one quarter mile high and weigh about 10 times the tonnage of the Queen Mary, or some 800,000 tons. That's if they could get to the moon, and they'd need three of them. That's a quote, quote-unquote. And that's a quote from him. That's part of the quote. My word. I had not heard that before. You mentioned uh, uh, Von Braun. It's interesting. I was recently online watching uh, some tributes to Werner Von Braun in, in 1970, uh, and people were referring to him as if they were trying to anglicize him. They were referring to him as a Werner Von Brown. <laughs> Interesting individual, this Nazi who comes over. How did he find himself as the head of, of NASA? I mean, who only a generation earlier, this man was running slave labor camps. He, he was appointed by Walter Dornberger, who was his boss in, in Germany, who uh, was sentenced to ex- be executed at Nuremberg, who didn't uh, who was not uh, executed, but wound up as the vice president of Bell Helicopters. 
And of course, the, the connection to him in the JFK assassination is that Michael and Ruth Payne, uh, Michael Payne worked for Dornberger at Bell Helicopters. I mean, it's, the connection is, uh, is amazing. And of course, and the this... Paynes were friends of Lee Harvey Oswald and, and uh, befriended him in Dallas when he got there from Russia. <laughs> Listen, we've got to take a time out. Yeah. Music is creeping up. We'll uh, take a time out when we come back. Nelson Thal, Miss Jane Steele, the lunar landing. A hoax live from Kalamata at the Elite City Hotel. Loose lips sink ships. Sometimes, corporations. Got something to say? Call Richard Serrett now at 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. And we are back broadcasting live from the Elite City Resort Hotel in Kalamata, Greece. Uh, where it is now, oh, let's see, about uh, 20 to 8 in the morning. And it's going to be a good one. As I look out my window, I can see, uh, well, slightly overcast, but uh, those clouds seem to be drifting uh, over the, uh, the Tahito Mountains. And uh, the weather here has just been uh, glorious. We've had one day of, uh, of rain where we, uh, we stayed indoors. Other than that... Um, it is hot, but uh, very tolerable. I mean, I'm not someone who, who does well in the heat, and I was worried about that. Uh, but the heat, you know, the old saying, it is, it's a dry heat. <laughs> it's true. And uh, the nights, uh, you get a nice breeze off the Messinian Bay. So very, very comfortable uh, here in uh, mid to late July. And, of course, uh, everything is in, is, uh, uh, you are, we're nearing the harvest uh, for certain things, uh, many of the fruits and vegetables. That's the other thing. I mean, you drive down the road, and they have these incredible uh, fruit and vegetable stands. Uh, you can buy uh, a watermelon, uh, or as they call them here, carpuzzi. Uh You can buy a carpuzzi here for, you know, less than a euro, an entire watermelon. Uh, and uh, the oranges are incredible, uh, fresh lemons. You walk down the street, and uh, people have them in their backyard. You, uh, you need a lemon to squeeze on your fish? You just, you know, pick one that's overhanging the sidewalk. It's just the land of plenty. Uh, notwithstanding the economic hardships, of course, we're all aware of down here. So if you can, get yourself down to southern Greece. And uh, it, the tourist season is in full uh, full thrust. And uh, here in Kalamata, it's, uh, you know, you're, you, you're on the beach and you're hearing people speaking uh, German and Swedish. And uh, uh, they're here from everywhere and all over. And I'm glad to be here as well. Nelson Thal is uh, in studio along with uh, Miss Jane Steele, two of the principals behind a, a very popular internet uh, talk show called Shock Talk with Bloom and Steel, um, which I believe is in hiatus, but we'll get some more information on that uh, towards the end of the program. We're talking about the lunar landing hoax, and uh, back. Let's let's talk a little while, uh, a little bit, uh, uh, Steele and Nelson, how this was likely staged. Uh, I mean, how did they do this? Where do you think they did this? Do we have any details on that? A couple of things, uh, Rich. Um, you just played the part of Armstrong's first uh, words. It's inter- interesting. He calls it a leap. Cause it is a leap of faith to believe in this whole thing. <laughs> a huge leap. You've got to make it. This, uh, it was a huge leap, uh, what he did, to, be, to get people to believe this. Um, yeah, it was a bit... <laughs> uh, the... Um, 
the you had a quote also you uh, maybe you could you uh, you could find it richard you had a quote that you aired a couple of weeks ago aldrin had recently said that uh, they were worried not to trip over the tv cable uh, yes thank you for reminding me yeah um, which is a great they're starting to come out and it, like even the principals are starting to expose the fact that it was a fake all right uh, tim if you're if you're listening i'll get you to, to get that ready and i'll call for it in a second yeah this was uh, buzz aldrin back in 2010, had just published another book. In this book, he's talking about uh, not only his uh, Apollo missions, but his, his, you know, his personal battles uh-huh. with alcohol and so forth. Yeah. And it appears to me, I mean, when I heard this clip, that that's what he's doing. He's basically admitting uh, that they didn't go to the moon. Tim, if you've got that, let's, let's have a listen. He writes about his experience in an autobiography called Magnificent Desolation. All three of us decided not to participate in uh, Apollo uh, 11. Why would we go there? You just get overawed. You set up a a series of expectations, and (laughs) you're, you're bound to get disappointed one way or the other. I thrived on addictive substances, uh, alcoholism, and clearly that began to predominate in my unstructured life. It sounds like it may have been more difficult just to plan one human life than it was to plan that mission to the moon, at least for you. Well, yeah, it it certainly was. What a bodacious challenge confronting people on Earth. We were obsessed with doing the best that we possibly could so that we wouldn't trip over the wire that goes out to the TV camera that's recording all that we're doing. That's, That's tremendous. This new book is called Magnificent Desolation. <laughs> Richard, I mean, come on. Richard, you know, this is an MK Ultra moon walk. This guy's name is Buzz because he was buzzed on the juice, on the drugs. They made these guys believe they went to the moon. But, uh, when I when I first played that clip and I asked uh, listeners to uh, to send me a, an email and, uh, on their thoughts, was this Buzz Aldrin admitting that the landing was a hoax? And uh, I, I got a t- you know tremendous response from that, and and um, you know I would say the majority probably said yes, was, uh, him admitting it. But a few made a good a good point, and and um, that is that while they're f- filming. Uh, this um, while the the, uh, the film camera camera was running, let's assume that they were on the moon. Was there not some sort of a cable, perhaps back to the between the camera? I don't know. Uh, I'm just trying to. I'm I'm, re- I'm reaching here, maybe. But is it the cameras were on their chest? Okay, so there's no cable, no cable on a. No, there's camera. no cables. The cable was the one that was. The chest. cable was the key. Means the cable from the sound studio back to CBS mm-hmm. and the networks. That's what he's talking about. <laughs> I mean, come on, put this in context. He's, he, look, these poor guys. They, they, he, he mentions a bodacious challenge, <laughs> a leap of faith. I mean, a big leap on the moon. This whole thing is just so obvious. Eventually, it's going to fall apart. Uh, you mentioned Stanley Kubrick, uh, yeah. and I, uh, uh, about a year and a half, maybe two years ago, I had a documentary filmmaker named Jay Widener yes. on the program, uh, who's researched um, uh, Kubrick's involvement in the Apollo um, mission extensively and uh, uh, released, I believe, three different films on, on Kubrick. One of them dealt with the Apollo mission. Now, Jay Widener's take is a little different. He said that, yes, Kubrick did film the landing in a sound studio 
somewhere out in the desert, perhaps in Nevada, I'm not sure, I don't recall. But that was something separate, that they, they, they did that because on orders from President Nixon. They were so afraid that after they had spent all this money and spent all this effort on landing on the moon, that the images from the moon would somehow, uh, they would break up or they wouldn't, they wouldn't transmit back to Earth. So we landed on the moon, but then what people saw on their television sets, in their living rooms, was shot in the sound stage. We'll be back. More of The Conspiracy Show coming to you live from Kalamata, Greece. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Coming to you live from the Elite City Resort Hotel in Kalamata, Greece. A beautiful facility. I really encourage you, uh, if you're contemplating uh, your next family vacation, or just on your own, come on down to uh, to Greece. Uh, great deals to be had here, particularly if you know where to dine. I mean, many things are obviously are expensive with uh, with the euro being... Uh, you know, I, I believe around a dollar thirty-seven. I haven't checked the uh, the currency exchange recently, uh, but it is expensive. If you live here, if you're paying for heat and hydro and and and, and gasoline, uh, but if you know where to dine, and and um, you know the, the people here are very friendly and and and, and uh, will direct you to, you know, some some restaurants where you wouldn't believe how much, you know, the the, uh, the servings are incredible and very very reasonable. Uh, and of course, you can't beat the climate, or the hospitality of the local people, or the scenery, uh, or the history, the culture. I could go on and on. I could do an entire show about how great it is uh, down here in uh, Southern Greece. And uh, a special thanks once again to the staff here at the Elite City Resort in Kalamata. Uh, a few moments remain with media scientist Nelson Fall and uh, a playwright Miss Jane Steele as we discuss the lunar landing hoax, and we were talking about uh, uh, Buzz Aldrin and uh, what seems to be what seemed to be uh, sort of an admission that <laughs> they never landed on the moon. He, he talked about tripping over the uh, the camera uh, cables, which one would assume meant they were filming this on a soundstage. And, uh, of course, Jay Widener believes that, that Stanley Kubrick, in fact, was the one to do so. Let me get your comment. Though Widener's take on this was, that was... The, the, the filming of the landing on the soundstage was done as a backup because Nixon was afraid the images from the moon wouldn't get to our TV sets. Yeah, well, you know, um, the, uh, the, as we know, as, we're, as we've said before, uh, generals, admirals, scientists, a lot of people are, are – we're not the experts. The experts have made it clear that – you cannot get to the moon. But more than that, why did NASA borrow and need and ask formally for Kubrick's camera that he used during 2001 A Space Odyssey uh, to fake the moon, his moon landing? Like, uh, they all, we all agreed that the moon sh- uh, during the 2001 Space Odyssey was shot on Earth using Kubrick's special design camera that he built for it, which is to uh, simulate what people thought it would be like on the moon. And NASA formally asked him for that camera, and the two cameramen formed what Sherman Skolnick started as the the moon landing hoax death list. With those two cameramen were murdered afterwards. Don't forget that these things slipped through the cracks over the years. I've been doing this since 1984. 
Well, just take note also that The Space Odyssey came out in 1968. It was a very expensive movie. Where did he get the money to do the movie? Maybe from NASA. Well, wait, and, and, his, the, and the effects. And his scientist, the, the NASA him. scientist, was on was his, his was the consultant on the film. That's right. And Udney. The yeah. effects and on the set were just tremendous, and they certainly depicted very similar effects that we saw in the. And films that they did and, supposedly and, on the moon. And Widener, in his under the Masonic Moon, points out that 2001 was a psychological psyops primer to get us prepared for the phony slow motion action that they gave us on the moon. Remember, Reynolds pointed out that on the moon there's one six gravity. You wouldn't have action like slow motion. Mm-hmm. And, and Widener showed how they really took regular action and then slowed it down. Exactly. So the, 2001: A Space Odyssey which showed all over the country for, uh, for the whole year was a, pro, a psychological uh, pre-op to prepare us for accepting the moon landing. And I also well, you, think... You raise a, a good point, and that is that the, the photographic equipment, the cameras, the film cameras, uh, the technology was you know, quite impressive at that time. And yet what we got, these images we got from the moon were incredibly grainy uh, and, and very poor quality, very poor resolution. You would think if they're going to, if the lunar landing is there, is the United States triumph, its showcase in its space rate race and and, uh, and the Cold War against the Russians, that they would have spared no expense in getting the best possible camera equipment up there to transmit the, the you know, incredible uh, uh, images with incredible resolution. And yet we're left with the, the grainy pictures as if you know, they don't want us to see too clearly. And the temperatures on the moon are so high that, as we've said, they, they, they would not be able to bring back celluloid Hasselblad camera pictures. That's impossible. You take the camera and you put it into the temperatures there and the film melts. You know, there's no way they could cool these cameras enough. Uh, They had them. uh, Richard, the the anomalies are a laugh. It really is. Well, you you mentioned a death list. uh, Yeah, the death uh, list. Two cameramen. Uh, Are there others associated with the Apollo mission? Uh, that ended well, up the, the certainly the three astronauts, Grissom, White, and Chaffee. Mm-hmm. Do you want to say something about that, Mrs. Steele? You've, that's your well, bailiwick. You had done some, a lot of study of that. Well, they Grissom, the they believe that Grissom was a loose cannon, that he was really feeling that they could never get to the moon. Yeah, and he said so. so. And that's what he said. He said it right out. So perhaps he's that. on the death list. Those three guys. Those just three were on Grissom, the death White, list. Grissom, White, and Chaffee. He actually. They were, went, they scheduled a meeting with, um, a reporter, a well-known reporter, I can't remember his mm-hmm. name right now, who was uh, at the time writing about how it's going to be impossible to get to the moon, and that's when they got rid of these three guys on Apollo, supposedly Apollo 7, right? Yeah, in 1967. Yeah. 1967, a, January a flash fire in an oxygen, right. an oxygen, they pressurized it with oxygen, which is just ridiculous. Uh, it, they obviously tried to were out to kill them, kill these guys. So there's the death list. And, of course, Sherman Skolnick was the one who began and was the expert on that. Uh, the other question that leaps immediately to mind is, keeping in mind this was the, the space race was occurring during the Cold War, why wouldn't the Russians at the time, the Soviets rather, have taken the opportunity to utterly humiliate the United States, their archenemy, by saying this lunar landing was a hoax? 
you know, and Reynolds people, I would suggest they go back and listen to the show that you, the, uh, your show on this, Richard, last year, uh, in which Reynolds pointed out that a lot of the military industrial complex organizations build parts for both the Russians and the Americans. So on one level, the military are like at odds and enemies, but on another level, on a corporate level, they share the same, the same companies building rockets for both companies, just like IG Farben, uh, was, a, a, a German company was, it was, um, financed by rocket Rockefeller and Bush. Interesting. I never thought of that. Sure, That's they were working point. together. Yeah. IG Farben, none of the IG Farben ships on the, in the, in the North Sea uh, were ever hit by the Wolf Pack. <laughs> right? The merchant, right. Mer, merchant marine guys who got killed, uh, if they would, were working for the IG Farben, they were protected from the Wolf Pack during the World War II, never touched. So there was no war for IG Farben sailors. What a, I, 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 everything you're saying, you know, uh, rings uh, true to a, to a certain extent. I mean, I still have some lingering uh, doubts. Well, la- it, it, last year you ended the show on a great note, uh, Psalm 115 from Scripture. Uh, the heavens, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. So Scripture points out that man was given earth and no heavens. The heavens are the Lord's. Right, right. I recall that passage. Uh, yeah, no, that's, you know, if, uh, I suppose if I'm, I'm sticking to my guns with with the Bible, then I, I should discount a lunar landing. Um, I guess I, maybe I've been sufficiently brainwashed, but, uh, um, but, but, but having said that, I've always wondered why, after Apollo, I believe it was 16, we never went back. That's a really good question. And why didn't we go back? I mean, man has gone up <clears throat> and if in you, about a hundred miles up, but no and, further than that. And since. why didn't the Russians go? Why didn't exactly. they follow along? Everybody yeah. else is trying. The, the Americans get the bomb. The Russians get the bomb. The Americans do get a new fighter. The Russians get a new fighter. The Americans go to the moon. How come the Russians never went there? If 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 it was indeed uh, filmed uh, on a soundstage by Stanley Kubrick. Uh, and, and another interesting side note is Kubrick rarely, I, I believe he gave one uh, one interview to the media during his entire directorial career, which is which is rather odd. Um, but it, it has been posited by some uh, researchers that uh, Kubrick was part of that death list after he made his um, uh, movie Eyes Wide Shut. Which is sort of a, I guess, a behind-the-scenes look at the Illuminati. Uh, he supposedly died died of a heart attack. Uh, some have su- su- suggested that um, he was silenced, that he was at one time sort of the Illuminati's official filmmaker, and then when they no longer had use for him, or when after he made Eyes Wide Shut, where he seemed to be sort of trying to draw people's attention to this secret society, that's when they decided it was time for Stanley to go, time for Stanley to die. Your thoughts on that? Uh, the movie Wag the Dog is about a uh, producer played by Dustin Hoffman whose name is Stanley. And uh, he brings off this huge war, a fake war, a fake operation. And he's told that he can never, ever expose the fact that he w- did this war and created the war, war that saved the president's political life in the movie Wag the Dog. 
And in the end, he decides that he is going to now, he wants the credit. He wants to have people, everybody know that he did it. And uh, it's interesting that the man's name doesn't often plays Stanley. It's alleged that Wag the Dog is certainly about how uh, Kubrick just got to the point where he wanted the credit and they had to take him out. So, great movie, Wag the Dog. Listen, uh, always a pleasure to spend an hour with the two of you, Miss Jane Steele and Nelson Thal. In uh, 15 seconds or less, tell us the status of um, Shock Talk. Shock Talk is uh, out there in the Internet. We're not doing any more new shows because after 123 shows, there's on uh, YouTube we'll, we'll want people yeah. to, to, to uh, catch up. And uh, meanwhile, we'll do some uh, private fellow exploring. And back here on the show now and then when there's opportunity. And we thank you for you've just been doing a fantastic job, Richard. All right, Nelson. And, uh, thank you so thank much. You. I've had a blast. All right. Thank you. Good night. Good night. All right. right. Thanks to uh, Tim Spreen back in studio. Great job. Uh, Back next week, coming to you live from the Elite City Resort Hotel in Kalamata, Greece. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite.